All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's a PGA podcast. It's Tuesday. It's July 14th. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is Chris Durrell. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Well, if everyone by everyone you mean me, I feel pretty good. I'm oh, excited. someone I'm else is watching. I know there's someone watching out there. <laughs> I know it. Um, coming off a pretty good week here from the uh, uh, the Workday Charity. Um, oh, it was the Workday Charity Open. I always get these. The, I'm still open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I get, I get I'm still getting confused by the names of these things. Workday Charity Open, <laughs> uh, which you had mentioned last week, and we talked. We're going to talk a little bit today. Is we're actually getting two straight weeks of the same course which well, how that's many years right. has it been since how many years has it been since that's happened well last week i said it was the first time ever that was wrong um false yeah. information uh right on the very first show streaming live is actually the first time since 1957 um okay. they've they've ran it so it's it's been a long time yeah so it's just not something if you're new to pga it's just not something that happens very often these tournaments move around a lot we have an absolutely loaded field for this week, uh, just about every great golfer is going. We talked about this since the start, since the restart, um, you know, restart after the sort of the COVID quarantine piece and then things getting shut down for the PGA and then coming back. We've had more loaded fields than usual. It hasn't been. It started off with just about everyone in these. Um, they, it's kind of vacillated a little bit over the last couple of weeks with a couple guys having to withdraw because uh, of health concerns um, and then just not everyone making every trip to every tournament. But I does look very much like we're back to a close to a loaded field uh, again this week for the memorial which again is on the same course which we'll talk about chris will break down the course here in a little bit let's go rewind real quick to the workday charity uh it goes down to a playoff between morikawa and thomas in in the end um with morikawa taking it and i think things for the most part worked out kind of how we thought there was some Big, like Justin Rose missing the cut was a huge one. He was absolutely terrible. Um, but for the most part, uh, I mean, in terms of our lineups, it was basically five through six through the cut, which is basically good enough to cash this week from the from the optimizer standpoint. I know your lineups were a little different. Did you end up running like Norlander and guys like that in cash? We were a little off him, but he ended up being pretty good too. Yeah, no, cash was a disaster for me last week. Oh, no. Um, yeah, I had Rose. Uh, Joel Damon I was pretty big oh. on last week with how consistent he was. <laughs> he shot plus 16. He finished, Well, uh, I believe it was dead last. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, if you yeah, if you back out the withdrawals. We were dying laughing because the, 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 the highest piece of comedy for the weekend was with the weather delay on Friday. Uh, oh, no, the weather delay on Thursday. And then they have to bring these guys back out to Friday. And Damon and... <laughs> Uh, who I forget who the other one was. I think it was Chase Kapka. It was yeah. the other one. Uh, like these guys were like plus fourteen and plus sixteen, and had like two holes each to play, and they just <laughs> made them come out on for, on or or whatever it was early Saturday morning, uh, just to just miss the cut because um they were just so 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 bad. So I thought that was one of the uh, the, the funniest pieces of the entire weekend was these guys had absolutely no hope of making the cut and just had to stay an extra night up there just to go out. And be like a combined thirty-one over par yeah. or something like that the next early, early, early the next morning. So I thought that was pretty hilarious. But kind of kudos to those dudes for knuckling up and going out there and doing it when they knew they were totally dumpstered and with nothing to really play for. But yeah, you know, you said those. You know, Rose was a pretty popular play. Uh, McNeely was really the only guy we didn't get through the cut. Everyone else ended up being good. And again, like for our system's sake, you're you're pretty you're a lot better on the the ownership piece than us, but. 
You know, Justin Thomas was a core play, really wasn't someone people were really interested in playing. Um, Cantley obviously was pretty popular. Um, got Carlos Ortiz by the skin of his teeth through the cut. So there was a couple other, you know, sort of close calls. Uh, but all in all, I, you know, it's, it's been funny about how we've been onboarding this new system because your plays that you kind of break down through just different filters end up being a little bit different. I like that that ends up being good discussion points. Um, do you think you'll, how much do you, I guess I'll put it this way, knowing that this is the same course for this week, it's a lot of, a lot of overlap for the field from last week, but there are some new faces. How much is that going to inform what you do this week around knowing it's the same course or like, you know, are you, are you kind of staying the course on some of these guys or do you, you are you going to use this one week to maybe pivot some of your thought process? Well, that's a, that's a good transition just kind of into the course a little bit. I mean, we broke it down quite a bit last week. Um, it's got it's the rough is going to be a lot higher this week so they kind of trimmed it down last week just so it would play maybe a little bit easier um it's going to be back up this week so it's going to be a little bit tougher again i'm not as worried about that because like the field average is like 65 percent plus hitting fairways the approach game is what really matters to me um that showed last week that was one of the highest correlation stats there was in terms of leaderboard position at the end of the tournament um, versus other stats so i'll definitely be looking at that approach with the small greens now the other difference with the greens this week we may not notice it as fans um, well super fans definitely will but you know your general fan watching it on tv is not going to notice this stuff but the green speeds are going to be upwards um, 13 to 14 on the stint meter last week they were 11 and a half for anyone that doesn't quite understand that all they do is it's just like a little tool that sits a certain height off the ground and it's just a ramp and they drop a ball from the top rolls down the ramp and however far that rolls off the end of the ramp that's the speed of the green so obviously 11 and a half is slower 13 to 14 is quite a bit faster um, what that did like I said last week is allow them to add I think a lot of the holes had eight different pin locations so that um, throughout the four rounds last week four rounds this week they're not duplicating a pin location um, twice so that kind of changes things maybe a little bit for guys that played last week the course is going to play a little bit different for them in terms of the you know their yardage books and stuff like that the guys that maybe took last week off and are coming back are going to be a little bit more familiar in terms of like course history guys that are familiar with that so I guess overall um, you could say I'm, I'm kind of looking at the same stats in terms of like approach par four and par five score and I've actually up par five score and there was 52 eagles last week I believe last year um, like before like when it was the memorial versus last week which was the work day I believe there was only like 12 or 13 eagles last year at the memorial and there's 52 last week oh there's 26 sorry so there's double the eagles so I'm looking at par five scoring just a little bit more um, but overall just ball striking coming into this event especially since the return is something I'm really keen in on Yep, and that's something we've been factoring into our projections as well, sort of feathering in um, a nice compilation or a nice grouping of what you've done since the restart, which I think is material, uh, what you've done over the last year, which I think is material, and then slowly um, downgrading long-term history for some of these guys. Well, that's a little bit of a factor because, you know, your, your, your body of work should count, but it really... Uh, I think we're seeing some pretty clear definitive changes from some of these guys, especially coming back after the delay um, in terms of just overall play. That doesn't strike me as luck necessarily. Um, strikes me as pretty uh, repeatable. I think you, you're going to probably talk about with some of these guys. And then there's going to be some guys that we're going to talk about that uh, are I try to have my, having a hard time wrapping my head around. Some notable golfers that are taking that are taking the course this week that were not there last week. Bryson DeChambeau is going to play. Um, the Rora McElroy is in this one. Webb Simpson is in this one. Dustin DJ. Johnson is back. And then Tiger Woods is going to play in this one. And this is the his goat. first. 
uh, say it again. The goat. The goat. <laughs> Yo, you, your Canadian accent threw me off there because I kind of thought you said out, and I was like, oh no, like, did you say goat or did you say out? Because those are two pretty big differences, and I would be, I'd be, was gonna feel real bad if it if it was the latter. Yeah, so Tiger Woods uh, will take uh, the course for the first time since the restart here. So those are just some of the names uh, that are included here, and with like I said, a decent amount of overlap uh, already from these guys. Just most of them are just staying on for the uh, additional week. Let's get into some of the golfers. Uh, there's a lot of guys to talk about here. There's a lot of tiers uh, of golfers to talk about. I will say the pricing on DraftKings, at least, uh, strikes me as pretty soft this week, um, which I think is going to be – mostly speaks to the quality of the field more than anything else, right? It's like um, there's just a lot of really good golfers in here, and they all can't be 11,000, right? So I think that that's kind of what the math the, the math uh, that ends up being here. So if, you're, if you've been playing DFS for a little while for PGA, you're probably saying to yourself, man, some of these guys are looking cheap. That's yeah, true, but there's also such a huge talent field – that it's sort of diminishing returns on the price because when they're all sort of cheap, you're sort you're still making a lot of the same decisions, right? It's like you end up making like because you can't fit you know six nine thousand dollar golfers in your lineup. You don't have enough money, so you do have to make some of the decisions. So yes, there are some of these prices seem like quote unquote jokes, and if it was a smaller field, they would be. Um, but because the field's so loaded, that I I think you need to kind of take that into mind. So walk me through who you see as some of the top tier plays, understanding that we're getting basically every great golfer in the game right now. It it's very tough this week. Like you really have to, uh, you can't try and get exposure to everyone. <clears throat> That's not going to be a winning strategy, especially in GPP. If you're like multi-entering like 20 max, um, the only way you're going to be able to do that is maybe like 150 max. If you get in one of those big GPPs, you may be able to, you know, use the optimizer and build a couple different R's only get handles up to 50. So what I would do in that instance is maybe build uh, three different cores. Um, even two different cores, split each 50 lineups into two different cores and use the optimizer to build that way. But if you're just kind of going like a few lineups and you're really breaking it down, you got a lot some some very tough decisions to make this week. And it really starts in that top tier. Like we've got five guys in that 10K plus tier. Um, Bryson is in the 11K. And I think he's, he's hands down the best one um, for me, the top guy in that on DraftKings, just because he's been the most consistent. His worst finish in the last seven has been eighth. Um, he's coming off a win. He's been good in every part of his game. He's won here in 2018. This is old Bryson before he really bulked up. So I don't. I'm not really not sure what to expect from from like big dominant beast Bryson this week. Um, he could win by 10 strokes. I I really don't think that's going to happen. That's more of a joke. But he's definitely my favorite. And then the rest of the top tier, like in terms of that 10K guys, uh, Thomas McElroy, Johnson, and Morikawa. For me, it really comes down to I'm not using any of them as my core um when i decide on gpp it's going to be closer to wednesday and i really want to break down the ownership side of things as of right now i think we can maybe get some ownership discount on dustin johnson looks like he may be one of the lowest so i think this bottom of the 10k even more cow is low in the tag counts right now on fan share early in the week mind you but it appears that people will be either paying up for bryson uh, or Thomas and then McElroy and it kind of just goes down in terms of you know how cheap they are people are obviously wanting to get a 10k guy or 11k guy and maybe fit a 9k guy in there too which is definitely viable this week um, so it's really going to come down to Wednesday night and ownership projections for me 
I mean, any way you slice it, Bryson is the best golfer here. Uh, if you want to go short-term sort of record, uh, he's been awesome. If you want to go long-term-ish, uh, it gets a little worse for him if you go over the long-term, but still great. Uh, you want to look at just outright winner odds, great. Uh, recent you know, course history, great. It's just like really anything, any different filter that you use for him is going to push him toward the top. Now, the question there just becomes how much over the top is he, right? Like So far, of our purposes right now, it's 100% play on FanDuel at 12,000. And not in cash games at 11-1 on DraftKings, which I which I have said in the past, I'm fine with. I like that. I like having that gives. I feel like that just gives me natural mathematical exposure to the guy when it's warranted, and not having to push it when I don't. Right. So like, if I think that the 12 is is reason, if the system thinks 12 is reasonable on FanDuel at like 100% ownership. Uh, you know, no matter how many iterations you run, fine with it. And also fine with the fade, fine with the fade on DraftKings because I think we're getting a little softer. Actually, just think we're getting the the pricing is a little softer to the point where, yeah, the two thousand dollars you get savings going down to some of these guys in the nine K range um, is pretty material. So uh, that's kind of where I'm landing. So if you're gonna fade him, um, either way, where else do you where else are you looking in in, the, in this top tier? Uh, like I said, that is basically a who's who. Yeah, bringing that down into the you know the high nines, even that that nine K range, because this week uh, going down to Tiger Woods at nine thousand, all the way up to Bryson, we've got thirteen golfers in that range this week. We're usually talking about five six guys, uh, maybe even you know eight kind of max in that range. For me this week, um, number one in my model right now, same as last week. I wrote about him last week. Wrote about him this week. Patrick Cantley, um, he finished T seven here last week after an amazing uh, run in the final round. And so I love seeing that, especially after he won the Memorial last year, T5 the year before that. He's coming in with good form. He seems to be trending in all areas. The ball striking's there. He's number one for me. Just getting him under 10K makes a ton of sense, $800 less than last week. And then I'm jumping way down. Um, it was close last week between Victor Hovland and Xander Shoffley for me. I ended up going Hovland because he was a little bit cheaper. That has switched this week. Shoffley has dropped $1,000. He's now... $300 cheaper than Hovland on DraftKings, and he's $300 as well on FanDuel cheaper. So I'm definitely leaning uh, Xander here. He's got uh, fifth back-to-back top 15s at this course. That was a workday last week as well as the Memorial last year. Um, another big-time ball striker. I'm definitely leaning those two in this top tier, um, 9K and up. Yeah, Shoffley is a guy the system loves. Uh, loves Cantley as well. Um, I think that Cantley you'll see probably see uh, a lot of ownership on again. It's all warranted. I think the Morikawa one is interesting. Coming off the win at 8600, I there's no real fundamental reason to sort of like not play him at that price. I think um, the math still even with that result is close, and that really just speaks more to not just factoring in the one tournament, but rather sort of factoring in uh, all of it. And um, but I can see that at 8600, and he just came just coming off a win. Like, why wouldn't you do it, right? It's a uh, it's one of those things where I I, I almost want to forego the system and say, hey, well, maybe just lock this guy in and say he just he's coming off um, just four incredible rounds. And why wouldn't you just do this, knowing that he's the you know tenth, twelfth most expensive golfer uh, in the group? So definitely on um, on board with all those guys. Uh, Cantlay again, one of the top guys. I wonder your opinion on a guy that we're seeing at least on DraftKings is maybe a pretty nice value. Webb Simpson, uh, Webb Simpson sub ten k right now, kind of a guy that's showing up in basically every lineup. We have him as I think the fourth highest projected golfer, eh, fifth fifth highest projected golfer. Um, 
right there, kind of basically tied with Cantlay right now and uh, for 200 cheaper. Uh, and then I have another guy I want to get your opinion on because he's coming up really high and he's pretty cheap. And our system's like, if you don't play this guy, you're legit um, totally crazy. But I'll get to him in a second. Give me your thoughts here uh, on Webb. Um, obviously, the pedigree there. Do you think that the price warrants a play or do you think we're just in the situation where you kind of can't go wrong with any of these guys in this nine, like this mid nine or K range, right? Does that make sense? I'm trying to, I guess I'm asking you two questions. One is, can you see playing him? And two is really, can you just lock in any of these guys and just kind of, and play it and, and probably make a pretty good case for it? Yeah, this is your tough decision range. It really seems like because you got Cantley right above him, who we just talked about. Webb's kind of the you know the same thing. We talk about him all the time. You know, the last you know three four weeks anyway since he's won that he's probably one of the most underrated top ten golfers in the world, right. like ever. <laughs> no one ever talks about him, and he just consistently top tens um, week after week after week. He's got the winning upside. He missed the cut at the Charles Schwab, but since then he's gained over 10 strokes on approach. The ball striking has been amazing. The putting has been amazing. I, I agree with you. You could probably just lock him in. Um, I lean Cantley a little bit more just because the course history gives him a little bit of the boost there for me, I guess, um, in my model. But Webb's still 10th in my model out of you know 133 golfers or whatever it is. So uh, that, that price tag on him when we've seen him consistently in that 10K range, yeah, it just seems like a bargain. Same thing as Cantley. So those two are like one two you know with Shoffley as well but I I ended up going Cantley just a little bit because of course history and Shoffley just because he's a little bit cheaper but I would not talk anyone off Webb Simpson in, in any format this week and actually I'm gonna t I'm gonna walk this back a little bit because I'm gonna leave a couple of these guys off when I said this 9k range on DraftKings I was uh, the group I'm talking I'm personally talking about I'm talking about Cantley I think you're fine there Webb Simpson fine Hovland totally fine our system's a little lower but that's probably because it hasn't just had the ability to fully catch up to what he's done recently. Um, so we've just been a, we've been a week late on Hovland ever since the restart. So I'm taking the I'll take my lumps with that one. I'm gonna throw Hideki in that one at that group as well. I'll probably throw Rom in that group. Shoffley. I probably wouldn't throw Justin Rose and Brooks Kapka in that group right now. Would you agree with that? I mean Kapka, I'm a little concerned. I know it's only one missed cut, but he had a few missed cuts before the break. Uh, and then Justin Rose obviously coming off that disaster. Would you maybe leave those guys out of that group that I just mentioned, or do you still think it's um, – so I'm maybe being too too short-sighted here? No, I think uh, in terms of that range, the guys that I think are, you know, kind of all formats, uh, core plays are Cantley, Webb Simpson, I agree there, uh, Xander Shoffley, um, and then – I agree with you leaving Kopka off that list. I'm actually leaving Hovland Matsuyama off that list just simply because I like Xander, Cantley, and Webb so much more as core plays. Hovland and Matsuyama of that group are the guys that are ball striking really, really well. Obviously, Tita Green has been excellent, but the putting has been terrible, so I'm kind of reserving them as GPP plays because if their ball striking goes off even just a little bit, their putting can't keep them you know, in the top 10, top 20. They're going to fall and get those, you know, fall back to earth and get those top 30s versus the good putters who maybe have a bit of a bad ball striking tournament overall um they're putting in terms of like Webb and Cantley even even Xander to a point they they can definitely save themselves and keep themselves in top 20s so their downside when they have maybe you know a little bit below average event is not as much as Hovland and Matsuyama just because of the putting. So that's the way I'm I'm breaking that. Down. And I, and then Rom's been all over the place. And I, you know, it's funny. I'm glad to hear you say that because that you know, for, for one of those weeks, that's you, the way you described it. Basically, lines up in in, in essentially um, projection order in terms of safety. We have those guys. 
Um, and I'm going to read this list to you in a second. I'm going to throw a name in here. We sort of talked a little bit about it, but I have not gotten your opinion about it. You said you had thoughts. Um, um, but in turn, just to go back to what you were saying, uh, what you putting guys like Hideki and Hovland a little lower than that group is basically where our system has them as well. Okay, I'm going to give you this list. Here's the, here's the list of top overall projections um, for this week. This is our top 10. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a blank, um, and then because you're going to read these names, and I'm wondering if this one name is going to come out sort of out of nowhere. So we have Bryson, <laughs> one, Justin Thomas, two. Then we have a blank. Then we have Cantley three. I think everyone's fine with that. Rory, four. Okay, Webb Simpson, five. Everything's sounding good. Xander, six. DJ, seven. John Rahm, eight. Um, and then I'll go another blank because uh, this is my second guy. And then Tiger Woods, uh, nine. And then Colin Moore, Cower, ten. So I think you're like, okay. Can I guess? Eight of that top ten you're probably shaking your head at and saying that's a pretty good order, right? Okay. Now, yeah. number three, Daniel Berger. <laughs> ah, you didn't talk, let me guess. Talk to, I, I knew I knew it was going to be him. He's third overall projection in this crazy loaded field. You look back at his results since, I mean, basically, oh my, I mean, I'll, I'll go back to all the way to October 3rd. Uh, RBC, third. Schwab, first. Honda Classic, fourth. AT&T, fifth. Waste Management, ninth. Then he just, like, is terrible with a 29 and a 38 uh, at the Express and Sony Open. 17th at the Zozo. Uh, 127 misses the cut at Houston. And then 18th at Shriners. This dude's been absolutely amazing for about the last eight months. Now, I know that's that's stretched out over, you know, 10 total tournaments. But if you, even if you look at this recent, like, the, the first and the third in the two uh, starts back from the restart, that's not where all of our projections going, but it's kind of looking back a little bit here and saying this guy's been really, really good. I am hesitant to say all in on like sort of the betting structure, but I did kind of do this with this week, especially taking more head to heads um, uh, on different books, taking more top 20s and top and outrights um, on different books, depending trying to shopping lines a little bit. Berger was a guy that I shot and just said, I, I don't know. I, I at some point, what are your thoughts here? You hear this name. I'm going to give the other guy in a second. I, th I'm, I know you're a quote, I'm more in line with the second name, but what are your thoughts on Berger? Because I, I stared at this thing and it feels crazy to put him lo lodged in between Justin Thomas and Cantley. And I can kind of see why based on some of the results and some of the other stuff that he's done. So give me your thoughts here on Daniel Berger. Oh, it's tough. Um, I'm not really a believer at this point. I love the consistency. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to argue that whatsoever. I mean, he's got five straight top tens, four straight top fives, and he just, you know, like you said, consistently has made cut after cut after cut after cut. Going back even like to April 2019, he's only missed three cuts. I'm not going to count those events, but it's somewhere in the range of like 25 to 30 events. Um, so he's been a cut-making machine. Uh, he's been excellent lately. I think he's kind of at his peak or at least very close to that peak just because the ball striking has been like well above where we have seen it the putting he's gaining 4.7 strokes per event putting over his last five events that is almost double where it was the last 10 events and over his last 20 events he only gained like 1.2 per event so he seems like he's kind of overperforming in a lot of areas so I don't see a top 10 and just kind of a stat I looked up I was like wow five straight top 10s When's the last time he's even came close to that? Well, over the last 54 events before that, going back three years um, to July 2017, he, 54 events, he's only had two, three top tens in that whole time. Um, so I think he's kind of overperforming. That's kind of my take on him right now. I do like the price, the fact that he's making cuts. If his downside is like a T40 on a bad week here, I think that's fine. But I'm... 
I'm leaning other guys. Like I said, I'm probably going to have two of like Cantley, Simpson, or Shoffley. Right now it's Cantley and Shoffley. Going down into that next range, I prefer uh, Abraham Answer myself. Yeah, he's the other guy. More. Well, he was the other guy. Um, oh, Answer okay. Answer was the guy that I at, at number eight or nine. I can't remember. The What's list. interesting between, you know, comparing the two, like you can't use course history as like a decider between them because they've both been blah. Um, going back, Daniel Berger, 2015, he missed the cut, which was a 97th place. 2016, he bounced back, made the cut, T67, so it was a terrible finish. Um, Answer's been here twice, 2018 and 19, T57 and T65. Both have been um, ball striking very good. I just prefer Answer a little bit more, you know, looking at my model here, which is looking uh, using Fantasy National, looking at just stats from the return of golf. He's second in ball striking, seventh in birdies, first in strokes gained approach, and top 20 in par 4 and 5. Um, in comparison, uh, I can't spell Berger, which is a pretty easy one. Um, yeah, Berger's 20th in ball striking, third in birdies, 20th in approach. So it's very, very close. Um, the one difference for me here is par fives. Berger is ranked outside the top 100 um, versus answer. Like I said, he's top 20 in both par four and five. So that's that's really splitting hairs here um, between those two. But I just lean answer, and I feel like Berger's kind of overperforming. Yeah, you know, I'm going to go back to something you said about Berger, which I think is instructive for people that maybe are coming on to DFS golf or just golf betting. And that there are certain stats in golf that you can just run hot in and that are maybe sometimes not repeatable, but they also create more variance for you. And one of those is putting. Putting is one of those things that we talked about on other podcasts to say you can just kind of get your putter working for a bunch of different rounds or a bunch of rounds over the over the over a bigger sample size, let's say, Um not to say you're going to make every putt, but if you are, you know, over the course of four rounds or eight or 16 or 20, you can actually run pretty hot with your putter. And that has been shown to not really be repeatable, right? Like, especially, and so when you give me that stat that he's been, I think I'm hearing it correctly, it was something burger that is something like twice as good compared to his his overall performance in putter, in his putter work over the yeah. short term, um, right? It was like something like three. Point four to one point four point seven strokes per event right. over the last five. Last ten is two point four. Yeah, so that's troublesome, right? That makes me a little worried. That makes me now. I do think based on the price, even if I was able to t- say like try to make that account for what like ten percent of a, a downgrade in his performance, I still think at eighty seven it probably is still going to be there at least on DraftKings um, in terms of a play. So uh, it's probably one of those things where I'm not like going to sweat the decimal points on this one because he's still been so good that even. Even if you back out something for the putter, he's still probably better than the 87, like the 14th most expensive golfer or something like that. I think that's like kind of where I end up landing. Maybe it's closer on Fando. So I wanted to make that point about Berger and say, and I was actually a little worried you were going to say that. And I kind of thought you were going to, because you look at those stats a little bit more than I do. I'm like, well, this is crazy. And so you have to be running super hot, probably in this one thing, unless you made a material change. Like you just, you know, change your, but well, yeah, got if this wasn't an event with so many top players in the world playing, because he's trending and you know he's got those uh, four straight top fives, five straight top tens, if this was just a normal event, like you said, his just because of his price, I think even if you take 10 to 15% off of his projection, he's probably still going to make lineups at that price because a balanced build is going to be huge this mm-hmm. week for cash especially. But if this was a normal event, he'd be 10K or 10.5. Yeah. Um, if there was only like one other top 10 or two other top 10 players in the world, he'd be in the 10K range. So it does feel like we are getting a bit of a discount just 
because of the field. Strength. And that's why that's why I'm like I'm just like I'm just gonna <clears throat> probably not sweat it. I think I'm just gonna say, look, yep. I, I'm 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 at a I'm at a I'm at a comfortable place with the projections right now, where I feel now this is I don't feel comfortable on Friday when I'm cursing guys like Mav McNeely for you know triple bogeying <laughs> when he's like on the cut line, and then just that's and so I'm not I'm not mm. calm then. I'm I'm more calm with the process, which is probably where you want to be. Answer like I said, almost like a every lineup guy at this point, especially on DraftKings uh, at 8500. Um, he's really probably becomes part of that balance build. That's uh, a little close with Gary Woodland. Uh, I guess you can make a case for Patrick Reed. My boy Tony Finau has dropped a little bit based on the recent performance, or finally not getting every week Tony Finau talk, which has been uh, <laughs> which has it's been, been a couple, troubling. A couple, what's that? It's been troubling for him. Yeah, he's he's kind of off that you know top twenty five train that he was so consistent with recently, and you know it really comes down to his approaches. Um, it's just been off versus you know the long term he's he's only gaining like a half a stroke um the last five versus like one and a half to two strokes last 10 last 20 events so it's just a little bit off right now um you know one little thing and he's back in the top 25 he's going to be low owned i bet because of that yeah uh i agree um i think that there's just because that grouping of guys that i just gave around that eight mid eight thousands range on DraftKings makes it so that you don't really probably need to go for him um although i still think um I still think it's probably worth a look because this if you take more of his play before the restart, um, it, it it helps him. It helps him before the restart. It's just a little bit troubling. Um, you know, the recent one, although, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here. We do have to kind of factor in the field strength of these of these more recent tournaments. The field strength for these tournaments has been more than the like you shouldn't really be penalized as much for the restart stuff because the field strengths are just stronger than they typically are over the course of a season right like, so it's yeah. just that's a weird math problem that we've I, I'm sorry if we just end up repeating the same kind of thing over and over again but it's worth repeating um let me just real quick i want to get you i want to go down to the next sort of tier of value guys before yeah, you go to that next tier one thing on woodland um Definitely can go back to Woodland, I feel. He gained seven strokes putt in last week, so that's a little bit, uh, you know, uh, okay, not a little bit. It's it's a lot above kind of his his normal. But what the big thing with Woodland is, we talked about, he changed his driver to a Wilson driver. He had lost nine strokes since he changed that driver coming back from the restart. He went back to his old, I believe it's a Titleist driver last week. He gained 3.4 strokes off the tee and finished T5. So uh, I believe Woodland is back to his, uh, in that elite ball striker class. So I'll definitely be going back to him. He is one I'm definitely going to be monitoring the ownership on just because him, Berger, and Answer right in that area. I'll uh, definitely take and be a little bit overweight on the guy that's going to be the lowest owned of those three. Uh, and if you wanted to, if you wanted to catch a, spring of, a string of expletives that I let out is when you texted me after it started um, that he had gone back to that same driver because I had lowered him based on like <laughs> yeah. hey, we kind of discussed this on the podcast. Last he couldn't let us yeah, know. I was that? like, well, we couldn't have like a some beat reporter that didn't didn't see the the thing sitting in his bag. Are you kidding me? I would have bumped this because we we talked about him as a play and then being concerned about the recent play. Uh, so I was that when you t- it was after everything had started. And I was I was so freaking annoyed when he uh, when you said that. Uh, real quick before I get to this next tier. Um, uh, just a couple bets that I threw in this week from Memorial of guys that we've already talked about. Um, this is this is staggered between a couple different books, sort of shopping lines. Webb Simpson to win at twenty eight hundred, uh, answer to win at plus five thousand. Um, top ten for answer at five hundred. Berger at four thousand to win. That's probably um, I'm feeling less great about that one after you kind of bring me up to speed on the putter thing. Also at ten for at plus four thirty. And then I did a couple uh, Simpson over Matsuyama. Uh, with these are about even odds. Uh, Reed over Finau and Webb Simpson over Hovland at about even odds. Um, and then I threw all those guys: Xander Berger, Answer, 
and oh, okay, we're gonna wait for these other guys because we're gonna talk about them uh, all through them in the top twenties, ranging anywhere between one thirty-five and two twenty. Uh, so just to just summarize, I know we talk a lot about DFS here, but I wanted to pay homage to some of the bets that um, that we're throwing in there. One, yeah, one that I put in was Shoffley. I'll add to that. Yep. Um, 2800 i got him at 2800 i shopped around there were some 25 some 26s i got him at 2800 on the one site that i use so um i definitely like that number for him top you know t14s and two straight trips to this course um he, like we talked about earlier pretty much everything we talked and about i have him uh, I, I yeah and him. i have him i didn't add him i, I should have said i have him top 10 and plus 300 so um oh he was i like guy. i really like that if you want to and by the way from a betting angle this is pretty simple but um if you use our projection system and because you just want nice clean numbers around something um and i found to have success in this and i i should just post um i've been keeping tr better track it's hard with these books because you really can't keep track unless you're just kind of tracking each thing on your own like they don't really have a lot of good downloadable stuff uh to be able to show it i guess you can do it through some sites and then make it public but i just haven't done that yet uh but you can just kind of do one-to-one -one on projections for some of these head-to-heads uh so if you sign up for dfsr.com slash deals uh you'll just see that under the pga optimizer you'll see what our projections are for the course of a weekend uh and that is pretty informative for when it comes to uh just sort of going head-to-head -head, uh in terms of overall rounds uh, which i found a lot of success in Let's walk down to the next group. Um, I definitely have some questions with some sort of butt-clenching questions around a couple of these guys because I am not feeling great about two of these guys in the systems uh, pumping out here. But let's walk down into the next group of value guys that we're probably going to need to have one or two of, even with a balanced lineup, just because... Um, yeah, like you said, you just can't populate uh, all $9,000 guys on DraftKings into a lineup. Where do you like in this next tier down? Okay, so I got a couple. Uh, first of all, Kevin Streelman. Um, stands out like a sore thumb at 7,600. The price is down from last week when he put up a T7 here at this course. He was T4 when it was the Memorial last year, and he's actually finished top 20 in five of his last trips here to this course. Um, before these last couple of events, it hasn't been great. He missed three straight cuts at the Arnold Palmer before the break, and then the first two coming back. But since then, the ball striking has been elite, and the putter has been elite. Probably a little bit overperforming on the putter side of things i don't i'm not expecting another top 10 in this field from him at this course we we've seen the upside so i really love that um i'm kind of looking at like a top 20 top 25 for him to pay off that 7600 price tag for cash that's that's simple for me um you can even lock him in like this is why i love a balance build this week and think we can get two maybe three of the 9k guys low 9k high 8k um when we were talking about burger and answer um, Shoffley, Simpson, and Cantley is because Ian Poulter we got at 7,600 yep. as well. Um, he's made 99 cuts this season. He finished T5 here last week. This was his first trip to this course, so I really love that. Again, another guy I'm not expecting another top 10 from, but at this price tag, I'll take a top 20, top 25 from him. And then Adam Hadwin's another one. A huge price drop on both sites this week. He nothing really stands out in terms of upside here at this course. He has made the cut here in four of his six trips. Um, you know, he showed us that big upside a week, you know, when I kind of jinxed him a week ago. But he's just been consistently making cuts in the 7,400. I think he should be more like if we're talking regular events again, he's a mid 8K to high uh, 8K priced guy so getting him in the mid 7k those three guys are kind of like my three core guys in the mid yeah. range uh can't make a case against streelman <clears throat> like you're you know you're a little concerned like you said with the first two back uh and then but then it's yeah. been good sense so sometimes that's hard he's he's really getting dinged on the recent performance i'll tell you that right now like he's and he's still close because the one he's been good he's been really good um but it's just like it's just a few too many rounds of miscuts and i'm not like we factor miscuts in as a as a multiplier but it does 
it usually helps inform you a little bit about why the about why the projection might be down a little bit because a miscut means at least for one of the rounds you're probably significantly below average um in terms of that in terms of the field that at that point so that's just going to ding you a little bit Hadwin's the same guy systems love Hadwin since the day we made it basically like it's liked him as just a good consistent low standard deviation play not tons of upside um but is it's very difficult for him to kill you all right, I'm gonna get, let me give you a name real quick. Um, I want your thoughts. I kind of threw him out to you, so just not to totally blindside with you, guy. It's, 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 <laughs> our our system really likes him. Uh, JT Poston. Um, 8,600 on, 8, on FanDuel, and I think he's 71 on DraftKings, but I just X'd him out on this thing because I was trying to see what lineups look like without him, so give me one second. Um, yes, yeah, so 7,000. 7,000 on DraftKings. Okay. I, from a math perspective, I get it. Okay, now yeah, I get it because he's like the opposite of Streelman. Streelman came back, missed the first two cuts, and then has good been good in the in the Rocket Mortgage and Travelers. Uh, Possum was the opposite, brutal at the mortgage, although just barely missed the cut there uh, with a minus three. And then Travelers, he missed the cut by uh, by more at the Travelers, but then finished T eight at RBC and T ten uh, at Charles Schwab and was decent before the break. 35, 30, 37, 37, 11, 14. Okay, you know what I mean I, there was a one missed cut in there, but for the most part uh, was pretty good. So I guess my my question is, if you just look at look sort of game log, it doesn't look it actually looks better than Streelman. Not from the last two. If you if you're gonna overweight the last two performances, it's not. But it's sometimes it's not fair to do. Like so a little more long. Yeah. So like if you just you know what I mean. So I get getting caught up in. I definitely like looking at the last two performances and being like, oh, he made the cut in the last two. But we also know from a predictive thing that's not really always the way to go. And so, what are your thoughts here on Poston? Because from a projection standpoint. Our system just thinks he's like nearly a lock in this price range uh, for cash. And I'm worried about it because I'm staring at these last two performances. So talk me in or out of Boston here. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, um, he stood out from a salary to odds differential on both sites for me. He's one of the highest actually on there looking at his just his win odds versus his salary and just kind of rank of the odds versus rank of the salaries. So that stood out to me. Um, T52 here last year at the Memorial. But okay, back to current form. He has, like you said, top 10s in the first two events back, then missed cuts. What is similar between all four of those is that he has lost a lot of strokes on approach. Uh, while before the break, he had gained um, that actually five straight, going back to the Arnold Palmer, before he had lost five strokes. Before that, though, he had gained in four strokes. So he's very streaky with his irons. Um, right now, he is off with the irons big time. Like um, over the last five events, he's lost like almost 12 strokes in a stretch, in a five event or even four event stretch. He has never lost that many going back, even like. 2017 2016 i'm keep i'm scrolling right to the bottom of his um log here on fantasy national there's no other stretch that he's lost this much in this group with his irons the putter fell off last week as well that's kind of what fell off from those two top tens versus the missed cuts now he gained 3.7 and 4.8 strokes putting in those two top tens the rbc and the charles schwab he has gained 1.2 at the travelers and lost 0.9 at the rocket mortgage so not only are the irons off but the putters trend in a way as well i'm completely off even though the long-term consistencies are there's just some other guys down here that i like a little bit yeah I'm, I'm i'm trending that direction with you um only because uh you know if it's backed up by a little bit of the of you know something in how he's just generally playing and by the way i do think this is going to be a 
a week. Ah, look, you can say this every week, and there's been some chalk murders um, for sure over the last couple of weeks. I do think for cash, it has not been this way every week. I do think for this week in cash, you're going to need to get all six through the cut. Um, I think that you, I, I, I'd be unless there's just some, and I, cause honestly, cause I actually think it's going to be weird with. I don't think there's going to be crazy heavy chalk because some of these guys are so close and so close in terms of price that I think just from that point alone, I think you're going to see very few like 70% owned guys, right? Like I just don't think um, we're going to be there because a lot of these, it's just so hard to make some of the decisions between these guys. Uh, two other guys I wanted to throw out there. Um, one, I, I'm, I, I'm going to have to have you pretty strongly talk me out of this and you might not even want to is Harris English, uh, Harris English showing up as a nice price, 7,400 on DraftKings. If you look at the recent performance, T17 at the RBC misses the cut at the Charles Schwab, but then T9, T17, T16 has uh, some lower finishes in there, but only one missed cut. And then you go back all the way to November, a fifth, a fourth, a sixth, and a third. Uh, this guy's been Damn good. We had kind of lowered him based on just not enough of a sample size because he's a relatively young dude. Um, but where are we with Harris English here? Because in terms of the numbers and then kind of like the feel good story around just looking at his game log um, or his, you know, his, his course log, I'm kind of seeing it at 7,300. I'm wondering your thoughts. Yeah, uh, he made the cut here, not even just made the cut top 20 back in 2015. So he hasn't played a lot here, only twice in the last 9, 10 years that he's actually played here. But the ball striking has been there for him. Um, off the tee, you know, it, he hasn't been able to put the uh, the driver and the irons together in one event. So I think there's even some more upside to go with it. But top 20s in four of his last five events, um, we talked about, you know, kind of how he came back and found his form again the putting's been there that is five straight events where he's gained at least 1.4 strokes putting four of those he's gained two plus and two of those he's gained almost four strokes putting uh the around the green game has been good so around the green and putting if you can put those two together every single event which he's done um in those last five that's going to give you a good shot at at least making the cut and then you start putting the approach game in there as well and the ball striking you're going to have some upside so not only is he giving us a floor but i believe the upside of top 10 is there as well it's kind of he's not going to top 10 um as much as you know maybe some other guys i'm not even going to say in this price range because i mean you got phil mickelson and bubba watson right there we we know about them i understand why they're down here to the driving um maybe not as much success at this course but i'm with you on english i don't think he's going to be in my core but i'm, I'm not going to talk anyone off of him just tell solid just i mean and i'm just going to be honest with you about like uh not you the, the the listener here about where we are with some of these projections it is it is kind of just a um uh, moving the chess pieces around, um, or maybe you want to put it that way. Maybe you want to say it's like shuffling the deck chairs around the Titanic, whichever way you want to think about it, whether it's positive or negative. Uh, when we run lineups on DraftKings right now, it's not like one guy. I mean, I, I should probably misspoke about Poston. He was not a guy that was like 100% a lineup. It's like this weird mix. It's like a little Horschel, a little Mav McNeely, a little Harris English, a little Nick Taylor. I think he, he was a guy that you don't really mind. Is You know, Hadwin's in there. Uh, you can kind of... You know, it just kind of depends. Every you know, Poulter's Poulter's in there a little bit for a little bit more. Zach Johnson makes an appearance. My point is that around these top ten, top twenty lineups, you're just basically seeing a hundred dollars moved here, a hundred dollars moved there, and the golfer just switches because the projections are all so close. And that really just speaks more to the field. Does that make sense? What I'm saying, like it's just, it's it's not even lo it's locked in on a couple dudes. Like it loves Burger, it loves Answer, it loves Webb Simpson, it loves Cantley. But if when it's not even any of those guys except for really Burger are 100%. But at some point, it's basically just kind of shuffling things around and saying, 
I kind of like everybody in the 7,400, you know, seven to 7,400 range or, or, or enough guys. Um, do you think that other people when they're lineup building will sort of have the same problem, even if they're not using a strict mathematical formula? Like, do you think they'll just see this group of guys and they have a very difficult time distinguishing between Horschel and Hadwin, Horschel and nah, I'm not gonna throw McNeely in there. Um, Harris English, guys like this that are all sort of in this range. Do you think that's just going to be sort of a theme this week? Yeah, I do, uh, definitely. And going back to your um, talk about ownership in cash games this week, so the last two weeks I've really started tracking ownership um, in the biggest double-up, like the biggest single-entry double-up, which is I th- believe is the giant $5. There's like 3,500 people. And then I look at the Millie Maker every week, just kind of at the ownership, just to compare week to week and see where things are. I've only got two-week sample size, but back at the Rocket Mortgage, we had one guy, Harold Varner was 54% in cash. This is DraftKings, by the way. Snedeker was 38. Uh, Bryson was 34. They were the only three above 30. Last week, we had Hideki at 46, Damon at 37, uh, Varner and Woodland and Hovland. So we had five over um, that percent. But being that we've opened the field up, I think we're back down to maybe one guy in that 40 to 45% range. Uh, maybe that'd be Cantley, um, possibly. But with the mix of guys, I think we see a lot of guys in the 20% to 30%, maybe 35% range. But I don't think, like you said, we don't see anyone getting up in that 60 70% range. So I'm with you there. And then even down into this value range, the decisions are tough because there are so many guys grouped together that have either been consistent, trending in the right direction, have course history, have form, um, are too cheap versus, you know, the odds or whatever you're looking at. There's just so many guys you're going to have to make a decision. I don't think we're going to get a super chalky value play this week. Yeah, I think that's, I, I think I totally agree. That seems like the theme. I did throw a Poston in a top 20 at 700 just because um, I was kind of thinking that he had some of, maybe had some of that upside there. Uh, I think I, oh yeah, I threw Poulter in as a top 20 at plus 360, um, which I really like the value uh, on that one. And I'm going to probably try to shop a few more of these uh, head-to-heads as I can find them on books. They did not, not as many are springing up this week as they were last week, which is crazy because the field's stronger. Well, the other problem too is it, it was a little harder this week because some of the some of the some of the match maybe there was the same amount, but the matchups weren't as um, stark because there was just so many good golfers that even when you had the, when you had the implied odds in there, it was tough to really find value um, in you know golfer A to golfer B because they had them grouped pretty. They had the groupings pretty tight, at least on the couple books that I looked at. Finishes off with a couple uh, cheap guys. I know you kind of you targeted uh, a few dudes that maybe are GBP plays, maybe cash uh, in that seven thousand or below range on DraftKings. I mentioned a couple already, like I mentioned uh, Mav McNeely already. I think Nick Taylor was in there also. But uh, who else did you like in this? Like in this, I'll call it like right around seven thousand and below uh, range. Yeah, so I'm going to go just a tick up from, from your range here. I don't think we've talked about him at all. Is Lucas Glover. He's number 23 in my overall model on the sheet. 126 to 1 odds, so he stands out from DK odds to differential a little bit. He hasn't been great here. He has made six straight cuts here. Uh, seven of his last eight. He hasn't put anything in, you know inside the top 30. We don't need that from someone at 7,100. Um, so that's one thing. If you're on the course history, that stands out to you. If you're on recent form, he's put together four straight top 25 finishes um, since the return. And in these fields, that is pretty incredible from a guy like Lucas Glover. It all comes down to his approach. He's gained five plus, or sorry, three plus strokes 
in all four events. He's gained five plus strokes in three of those events. That's just absolutely incredible. He's pretty terrible around the greens and putting, but that ball striking alone has given him those top 20s. I don't, he's not a guy where I'm going to say, oh, if that putting comes around, I think we've got more upside than this top 20. No, he's always been terrible at putting. He's always going to be terrible. And let me rephrase this. I am terrible at putting. Lucas Glover is not obviously terrible at putting. He's in the PGA Tour. But relative to the other guys in the field, he's one of the worst putters on the PGA Tour. I don't see that coming around. I think his upside kind of is that top 25. I'm more looking at like a even a T40 finish um, where he gets, you know, at 7,100, 7, we only need 70 points from him to hit that 10x threshold. I think that's easy. Not, I'm not going to say easy for him, but I think that's definitely attainable for him. The next guy on my list uh, I wrote about in the article, if you really want to go down and do a Stars and Scrubs build, I think Troy Merritt, um, you could definitely consider him. The approach game came on last week. He finished T22 here. The approach game has been terrible for six events before that, but he still put up, um, what do we got, T8 at Rocket Mortgage, T60 at the Travelers, and T70 at the RBC. So he's made four straight cuts since the return. He's trending in the right direction in terms of those finishes. Um, the putting's been there, so he's another guy that's a good putter that can carry that over. So I'm definitely looking at him if you maybe want to reach up into that 10K range in cash. I don't think you need to. I will have some more in GPP. Um, and then the last guy, GPP for me, is Sepp Straka. The ball striking has been elite. The putting has been there for him. He's put up T15 finishes or top 15 finishes in two straight here um, after T33 and a miscut at the at the Travelers, uh, and that T14 was last week at the workday at this very course. So I don't see a top 15 again, but at his price, um, at 7K, I think he can easily eclipse that and be a, in the GPP optimal yeah, lineup. Yeah, uh, I think that all sounds good. You know, like I tra- tend to trend a little bit more toward cash with this kind of stuff, so I'm going to be making some cash decisions around uh, less about maybe ownership and more about just trying to spread out a little bit of value uh, in some of these sort of guys that I'm seeing more as coin flips. So I I know you, you trend a little bit more GPP uh, with this stuff, which is good. So you can go check t- check out Chris's article. Uh, Chris also has his cheat sheet up, which is going to help um, sort of b- call out a few more of those GPP plays as well. You can get that when you get a membership at dfsr.com slash deals. You can also check out patreon.com where Chris has it. Uh, that's at Jaegerbombs. Uh, Jaegerbombs 16. What is it? What's it? Jaeger- I always forget this. I've never had this right. Tell me tell me the Patreon again. Shoot. Patreons, patreon.com slash Jaegerbombs. Jaeger bombs. There you go. I know your Twitter handle's got the the number at the end. Okay, um, so that's where you can find all this stuff. And I will say about the deals. Both Chris's Patreon, or not for Chris's Patreon, but they're available when you have a DFSR.com membership. And if you sign up right now with deals, that's actually going to include. Um, projections for every sport so we have sports coming back here we have baseball coming back in a little over a week we have basketball coming back in just about two weeks nhl coming back in like a little more than two plus weeks that that pg that if you sign up now for the pga you're going to get all those other you're going to get all those other projections and optimal lineups um along in the same uh along in the same package so go and try to find another site that's doing uh that kind of deal every other site has it sectioned off by Oh, you want this guy's PGA picks? You're gonna pay this. You want this sport uh, for the, you know, for DraftKings? You're gonna pay this. We don't do that. Anything we do between Chris, James, and I um, is just available under one price. I don't think you're gonna find a better deal than that. Uh, and then we have a live chat room as well, where Chris uh, and I are well, mostly Chris at this point with PGA, but I'm jumping in there, throwing in some of the bets and throwing some discussion as well. So DFSR.com/deals. The link will be in the show notes if you want to go check that out. There's no better deal in the DFS industry than that right now, buddy. 
I will talk to you all weekend when I'm annoyed by, you know, Mav McNeely not making the cut or something, or like Billy Horschel or whoever I end up playing. Whoever I play in cash is not going to make the cut. Um, I know that. So, but uh, good luck with whoever you play this week. I'm sure I'll talk to you this weekend. Yeah, I got one one more thing before I sign off here. Um, the weather on Thursday looks like we're going to get some, you know, starting around dinner time shortly after, some higher winds. I'm going to be tracking that, especially for round one showdown. That sheet will be out either later today or early tomorrow morning. So make sure to check in chat for that. And I will be updating the weather up until late, like late tomorrow night because I think we can maybe get some edge um, in showdown going with some early tea time guys. But the tea times aren't out yet. So I will break that down in chat. Uh, good luck finding any of this stuff anywhere for this price. So dfsr.com slash deals. That'll get you going on all that. Buddy, enjoy your weekend of PJ action. Cheers, everyone.